Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today from Coin Corner is Danny and Zach. And I don't know whether you guys watched them drop a cool new little toy. I thought they were building a toy and a little bit of a fun project that they released on Twitter. And Danny followed up with a thread explaining what it is. It's not a toy. This thing is going to possibly revolutionize the way that exchanges in particular um, make their transactions, hold keys, and uh, keep everything as safe as possible. And it was from a little dark corner and coin corner offices that uh, these guys were just throwing around ideas. You'll, you'll get the full story from Danny and Zach just in a second. I really appreciate them coming on and uh, sharing all of this very, very cool knowledge. And I'm sure you guys are going to want to reach out and learn more. Before we get into the show, Please make sure you guys are first of all stacking some sats. Coin Corner are an exchange themselves. They are based in the Isle of Man. Make sure you are checking out the show sponsors, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten, relay, R-E-L-A-I.ch forward slash bitten, and across the pond in the US, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. These places have you covered for stacking your sats, but You've got to take control of your coins. Get them onto a hardware wallet. You can use the Bitbox 02 Bitcoin only edition wallet from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. And even Danny and Zach would tell you who are working at an exchange. This is a really important thing to do. Please don't leave the, your coins on the exchanges. Get them off and use a hardware wallet. As always, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy this rip with Danny and Zach. All right, cool. We're good to go. Danny, Zach, welcome to the show, guys. Hey, Dan. Thank you for Hi, having Danny. us. Thanks for having us. Right, Lauren's here. She's going to ask the Hi, first Lauren. question. Hey, Lauren. Hi. Do you remember? Do you remember talking to Danny before? I think he explained to you the uh, the Byzantine generals problem. <laughs> Try to. <laughs> <laughs> that was right, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want a recap of that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to recap. <laughs> What's your question? Uh, so my question is, um, how did you both get into Bitcoin? Oh, nice. Um, yeah. so Danny, you go first. Mine was, I think I touched on last time, you guys, was back in 2009. Uh, one of my tutors at uh, university told us about um, the Byzantine general problem, as we touched on there, <laughs> and uh, delved into to that a little bit and came across Bitcoin and um, didn't really get into it probably till 2012 time really. Uh, yeah, me, um, I probably got this guy to my left to thank um, back in 2017, um, basically just joined Coin Corner um, and then went down the rabbit hole ever since. Didn't know anything about Bitcoin until I joined and there we go. Yeah, rest is history. <laughs> what What's your role there? Uh, I'm the tech lead, so I joined as a junior software developer and then, yeah, went my way up now to tech lead. 
so like Danny's just posted a job you've you've applied for it pretty much yeah we I kind of knew knew of Danny anyway through a, a, a colleague that used to work here was a good friend of mine so he's like his you know we've got a job going there should come join us yeah it was good I think Zach coming into the industry like coming into coin corner and coming into the industry and um it's difficult sometimes with uh, software developers you're learning software and you're learning the code side which is great and obviously we need this from an exchange perspective to help build build the company um but then on the the actual bitcoin core side of things as well which gets a little bit more complex and complicated and um zach has, has kind of jumped in um with me for a lot of that and kind of got his head into to all that side yeah. of things haven't you from more of the techie side and um sometimes that's it's difficult to to come across that and sort of people that can um delve into the bitcoin core and understand the technical level so it's good to have more than one person to bounce, been, yeah. bounce ideas from. <laughs> certainly being my sounding board for a lot of <laughs> crazy concepts so zach i'm i'm interested actually lauren should i release you have you got another question uh no i don't think so no no what do you want to say goodbye to the guys yeah. bye thank, thank you. you lauren bye, lauren. bye. have a nice day <laughs> so zach I, i'm interested then as uh as a, a, a tech guy, you come in to uh, a Bitcoin exchange, uh, <laughs> not knowing anything about Bitcoin. Yeah. And, but at what point, do you remember at what point you're like, oh, holy shit? Uh, yeah, it probably took longer than I, I didn't really. So obviously I came in, read the white paper, started reading Mastering Bitcoin, you know, trying to get my head right into it. Obviously, I came in towards the end of 2017 so we were dealing in the company we were dealing with stuff like a mempool backlog that never been seen before which i didn't understand what was going on at the time i was uh, just running around like a headless chicken yeah yeah <laughs> but it took a good i think it took a good you know six months to a year to fully that light bulb just then clicks and go oh shit yeah <laughs> that's why we're here that's what we're doing um, and it's very exciting and yeah ever since been down that rabbit hole and stacking away that's uh, <laughs> that's awesome yeah all right you, well, you have actually been a very regular dca haven't you since you joined us yeah well. yeah i think i've only missed um, one one month um, yeah. since i joined yeah which is quite 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 a rare thing actually i think the dca thing especially from back in 2017 it wasn't quite as uh, popular and bushland mm. as it is these days um but uh yeah it's certainly um i wish i was dca from 2009 onwards <laughs> <laughs> we all wish we could have stacked more <laughs> looking back <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, mate. And have you seen a, a pickup in that service at Coin Corner for we, the DCA option? Yeah, we have a little bit. Uh, not as um, as impactful as, as maybe you would hope or imagine. Um, we do. I think we were looking at the stats, weren't we, on this yesterday? Mm. Um, and the average DCA was actually about was it two hundred and thirty six pounds? Yeah, was our average figure. Um, is, is that weekly, was, monthly? That what well, that was just a value per transaction. So the average transaction is about two hundred thirty-six pounds, right. uh, which is actually a lot larger than we expected. We expected mm. uh, smaller, uh, more regular ones, um, but it was quite impressive actually. That number was quite high. Um, but yeah, I've got I, I might have some DC talk of DCA. I probably have some DCA stats coming out. I did the so when we launched our DCA products, which was about a year ago now. Um, I started just doing a weekly buy and set it for every single Friday and played i picked friday back at the time because uh, i think when i looked back in history and looked at the stats friday was the theoretical best day to buy mm-hmm. um so i picked friday and just did uh, i think it was 100 pounds a week every friday 
uh, and that's been going for about 12, just coming up to 12 months now. So I'll, I'll release the, the figures of that and what that's actually returned. Um, just it was a bit of a trial, which was interesting. Very yeah. cool, mate. And like you said, these, these services weren't around, right? 2017. I, I really don't remember any apps that you could DCA yeah. with. None of the exchanges were really offering yeah. it. Um, no. Even the idea of a DCA back then was probably unknown to most people, unless they mm -hmm. were understood normal financial worlds. That's very true. Yeah, it's very true. It's only, you know, people that have sat down with um, investors or financial advisors or have been in um, some kind of financial market mm. have ever, you know, come across this. Plus, you know, it's not called DCA in the UK, right? <laughs> Is it GCA? What did they <laughs> GCA, <use? yeah. laughs> we, we had this conversation internally when we were launching the products a year ago. Uh, and we were saying, well, why are we calling it DCA? We need to call it like something different because it, it's not dollar. Um, so we ended up calling it auto-advised, didn't we, in the end? Yeah. Um, but we still refer to it as DCA, yeah. um, which is just a, it's become a term, I think, hasn't it? It just referred to us. I was trying to push the fiat cost average meme, so to FCA, and then FCA. That, that's global. But, uh, <laughs> no, FCA in the UK might not appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and here's one. I saw a tweet the other day, and I'm sorry if this person's listening and I'm stealing their thunder, but it just suddenly kind of like, the penny dropped or the sat dropped. We've got to change that language as well. The sat dropped for me when he's like, uh, or she, I think it was a NIM account. There's a, let's say just for, you know, example, there's a hundred thousand DCA accounts, uh, which obviously there were none in 2017. And let's say that 10 X is, and then we hit the next halving. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Does that sink in yet? And you're like, oh, holy shit. Like, you know, the, the, this price floor, this buying pressure is just incredible. And it's only going to become more and more. And then bam, halving comes. Yeah. But nobody's going to cancel their DCA. No one's going to half their DCA. No. No. Yeah, I think it was that the, the, there was a Twitter account, wasn't there, that uh, just started recently trying to encourage people to DCA and trying to get yes. people to follow and everyone mm. on DCA on that. It um, would be that account. Yeah. It would be that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I saw that the other day as well. And it, it is very much, yeah, if, you know, if, if everybody, um, it's that theory, I guess, but even if a million Bitcoin is all DCA'd on a particular day and time, you will, you'd start seeing a predicted pump every year, <laughs> every Friday. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is certainly, um, that sat will drop, as you mentioned there. Uh, I'll try and use that for now. I'll steal it. <laughs> uh, the sat will drop for people um, over time, I'm sure. Mm. Um, but it does. It just takes time. And I think touching on what uh, Zach touched on before about when he joined in 2017, and we're saying there, like, there wasn't a DCA product back then. Um, and Zach was one of the rarer ones that actually has joined and been consistent with buying mm. um, and doing DCA without realising. Without realising, yeah. For, for the most part. Um, but that takes time for people to realize and understand them. And, you know, that time can be years. Um, some people can jump in and get down the rabbit hole very quickly. Mm. Uh, even the likes of Michael Saylor, where, you know, he's, he's he is at the bottom of the rabbit hole now in, in mm -hmm. a way, but he's, um, it's took him how many years? He's obviously been aware and known of Bitcoin mm. for uh, the best part of a decade. And it's took him that long to really get into it and understand mm. it um, and then to start moving on it and, and the, the conviction he's got now is, is incredible. Um, but it does take time. Yeah, we also, we have the luxury that we're in it full time. So that just speeds up that six months that it took me was, you know, I was full time at Coin Corner. So yeah, it still took a good six months where 
the rest of the world, yeah, it's just their little hobby that researching after work, before work. Uh, so it takes time. Yeah, and Sailor now is doing what his DCA, his monthly <laughs> DCA is between thirty to fifty million. I yeah, think point us all to shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my hundred pound uh, trial one is maybe not going to be as impressive. <laughs> you'd like it. You'd like a bit of that action at Coin Corner, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's talk about this little toy that you guys have been building. What's um, what is going on over in the uh, the the dark corners of 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 Coin Corner? You guys have been you know, knocking something together, a little project. Yep. Um, let's give a little bit of background and then you can have a little bit of the, the detail, shall we say. Um, so we do, we, in, within the company anyway, we have um, a team that's a lot of very enthusiastic people around, whether it's tech or whether it's um, just trying new things and new ideas. And uh, we even did things like a, um, our accountant suggested uh, a build club we called it and it was a tuesday night build club mm. every tuesday night whoever wants to join come and build some R &D playing around with projects. hardware and leds and lightning network are you shilling dave from accounts again yeah, yeah. So, oh, was, it, was it last time as well <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, was that molly last time to say yeah. that <laughs> uh, dave from accounts is going to become like uh, a yeah. meme old dangerous yeah. dave out there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we, we don't like giving him credit but he's credit where credit's due um but yeah, he was, uh, he kind of pushed for that because he's obviously an accountant, but he's really interested in tech and Bitcoin and, and that side. So he, you would do it, you guys were doing, I missed the first couple of ones, didn't I? Because mm. I was off island. But, um, yeah, we're playing around with hardware, a big LED board and trying to connect it to the Lightning Network. So yeah, you could like turn on LEDs and choose the color and pay a couple of sats per LED, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, um, so that kind of got the thing, got the ball rolling. And we, we were already doing, we did Bitcoin Core as well. So we got the, all the tech guys around to help contribute to Bitcoin Core and come up with um, the tutorials and walkthroughs that we did, which were to highlight how to effectively create your full your first pull request, um, whether that be on Windows, Mac, or Linux, uh, kind mm. of tutorials and walkthroughs for each one of them. So what we, we tried to do with that was encourage the team to jump into R&D projects and try things out. So one morning, uh, myself and Zach were sort of come into the office as, as usually do uh, and we sit there by ourselves just talking about the, the crazy <laughs> things that have happened overnight as, as the industry moves literally you go to sleep you wake up something's changed um so we do this generally every day don't we yeah. uh, and come in and, and talk about things before the rest of the team arrives uh, and then we it was a it was sort of this time last year was it nearly mm. up to and coinbase had just added another shit coin on their platform and we were kind of uh we were just more frustrated that they weren't this was before as well they'd been on the Pete McCormick podcast and they were then contributing to Bitcoin core developer only recent more recently um, so it was before all that and we were just frustrated that Bitcoin they've created a successful company there off the back of Bitcoin and they uh, you know Brian's scared of saying the word Bitcoin isn't he so um, that kind of says it all really um, and they don't really do anything for the community side and for the Bitcoin infrastructure itself um, at the time they didn't they're starting to now which is good um, so I'm not trying to slag them off. <laughs> this is just pure facts, I guess. <laughs> um, so we was just kind of moaning and bitching about it in the morning and saying, like, why are they not doing these things? And we were talking to them about hot wallets. And, you know, that's one of the big pain points is for exchanges in the industry. And there is services out there like BitGo and uh, Fireblocks and Curve and the likes um, of these sort of companies that are doing these things, but they're still um, not quite 
creating a, I guess, a, what we felt was a, a more offline solution to a hot wallet. Yeah, there's still reliability to a third party with those guys. Yeah. And the keys are effectively still online at some point, even though the keys may be sharded with the MPC routes and things, which I'll come to in a bit. Um, so we started playing around with the idea. We'd seen uh, some of the more, was it Spectre wallet at the time, or was it yeah. Blue Wallet? I can't be sure. Yeah, Spectre, yeah. Spectre. Um, so for the cold storage device and side of things, and seeing that you they were using the QR codes to scan between mobile devices to uh, effectively... Uh, make a transaction, uh, air-gapped transaction. Um, so we thought, okay, well, can we just automate that? I and mean, we, we literally, within probably half an hour of just bouncing these ideas backwards and forwards, yeah. we was kind of like, okay, well, we just get two machines, two cameras, two screens, and they just bounce it back off each other and it's air-gapped. And was like, it sounds too simple. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Um, it was just, it felt far too simple and it's like the time of it. And I'm sure what we did see once I... Uh, tweeted it out and sort of announced it and pushed it. Had a lot of people messaging and saying, you know, they've actually, they'd come up with this idea as well, but they just didn't have the, the technical expertise or didn't have the time to actually go off and do it and create it. Um, so they were saying like, thanks for creating it and stuff and, and putting it out there, mm. um, which was nice. It was nice to see that and see that we weren't as crazy as we thought. Yeah, just good to see validation from outside our bubble. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, are we crazy? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that kind of sets the scene of what we, we started to do. We played around with the idea for quite some time, for um, quite a few months. We didn't have time. Again, it's what we end up with for a lot of these crazy side projects that we've played around with. Um, we do them in the evenings or we do them uh, at the weekends. And it's because, you know, during the day, we've got an exchange to drive yeah. uh, It gets busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we, we, we struggled for time, didn't we, for quite a few months where we was, we was piecing it together theoretically, but never actually practically. Um, we then eventually pulled a couple of the tech guys in to try and talk it through and figure things out and uh, get one of them basically on developing it and just guided them through the process. Um, it was a fun experience. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah. certainly uh, challenging with things like cameras and auto. Yeah, yeah. And, and none of us have really had too much experience with hardware. So, you know, Raspberry Pis and cameras. So, so that was it. That was a fun bit as well, yeah. trying to work all that out. So and one of the things we... Uh, so we'll, I'll try and explain the process in a minute and uh, make that a bit clearer. But one of the things we, we tried as well was to create, rather than you see, again, no disrespect to the likes of, of Trezor, Ledger and uh, Colcard and things like that, but they've created their own devices, um, which is great from, you know, it's always the the, um, the trade-offs and the pros and cons to each side of things. Um, and we've seen more recently, the, um, wasn't the call, it was the ledger, was it? That was getting yeah. fake ones getting posted out to people. Um, and if you are, you know, it becomes a, an attack vector that you can have fake devices. I think uh, MVK said himself about don't buy a cold card from Amazon and things like that because they could be fake. Make sure you come and buy it from our own website, mm. um, which is, is correct. You should be doing that. Um, but you can then it makes it very difficult to trust this, this cold device you're receiving because somebody could be trying to man in the middle attack to, to get you a fake device sent out. So we try to go at the angle of rather than try and create our own hardware and our own device is what's out there, which is Raspberry Pis um, or an obvious go-to. Uh, anybody can kind of order them from lots of different places and nobody would know you're using that to um, store and mm. transmit Bitcoin with. So it becomes a little bit more... Um, Obviously, yeah, say, similar to what I think Spectre have that 
part of their hardware wallet is like a DIY version where here are all the parts and how to build it, go and order the parts off electrical component websites um, and then they'll never know what you're building. So. Yeah. Which kind of makes a little bit more sense too. So we kind of went with that route. What's out there? Uh, Raspberry Pis, cameras and things that are already there and we just pulled them together and pieced them together. Um, so the concepts uh, of what it was, just a quick overview, was just basically an air-gapped hot wallet that allows us as an exchange to run our hot wallet while keeping the private keys completely offline, um, which it does and it works, which we're surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does, it works. It is, it has its uh, trade-offs, should we call it, um, it's, it's a, obviously a quite a common term in the industry and it certainly has its trade-offs. Uh, speed obviously being one of them, the downside of it is it's slower and then um, just a hot wallet running on the server uh, because it's not instant communication. It has to scan the QR codes back and forwards. Um, but it also has the uh, the benefit of having your private keys completely stored offline. Um, we we have a lot of ideas, I guess, don't we, to expand on this as well. Yeah. Um, it is still R&D process. We're still playing around with it. Um, we've got, a, I guess, a couple of ideas where we're, we're kind of multi-sigging it so we can also spread the the risk so you can have one of these set up in the office here we can have one of them set up in an office in the uk we can have them set up in um, quite honestly you could have it set up in a vault as long as you can get ethernet uh, connectivity or some some connectivity to it um and you can have them three then for example there all have a signature and all have to sign a transaction but all three of them keys that are purely offline still uh, all have to sign it so it starts to become um a little bit more secure than maybe than what's out there at the minute I do appreciate, I'm not naive enough to, to know that the argument against that is it has a two-way communication still from QR code to QR code, which means um, people try and argue then that it's, what's the air gap is a, uh, how do we call it, air gap is more like a, a buzzword then, more <laughs> than a um, actual use case. You start getting to the semantics of the definition of air gaps. Yeah, <laughs> there's been some incredible conversations on that. <laughs> Um, which is fair enough. That's, that's We've been arguing about that for centuries. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, all that food, the feedback's been great. We've, we've had nothing that's sort of too negative, are we really? Um, the, the most part, it's just been queries around things that we kind of already knew and uh, we were just catching along the way. Um, so there was nothing major. Um, but one of the big, the big ones, so it's great for an exchange like ourselves, um, which you kind of, it will hopefully work going forwards and we'll start to bring it we we have run it in production um but we're playing around with it pulling it in and out and we can be um got quite a few tweaks and changes to do first before we start uh, using it full-time in production um but one of the big ones we, we liked was the umbrella node uh part of the tuesday night build clubs as well uh was the umbrella nodes we're doing wasn't it mm -hmm. um which we all started running our own umbrella nodes using raspberry pies and, and running them uh quite a lot of the team have got quite mm -hmm. a few of them running now we're planning a great lightning routing competition yeah. who can earn the most um, from routing lightning transactions. Yeah. So we're getting everyone getting a lightning node set up first. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, we're trying to follow Alex Bosworth's lead on that, but uh, I don't think we'll quite get to his scale of routing. <laughs> um, it's on a different scale. <clears throat> um, so yeah, the umbrella node piece is a, a potential. So we saw just last night, Square, uh, announcing they were doing the new hardware wallet um, or they're going to try and come up with a hardware wallet that's uh, 
multi-sig assist, custody assisted or whatever they called it. I can't remember what the, the quote they called it now, um, which is all well and good. Uh, which is good that more of them is the better. Hopefully they do go with the route of you can, the DIY style, you can build it yourself that we touched on there, mm. that you don't need their specific hardware device to do it. Um, but we also, what, what I kind of hope or would see with the umbrella side of things in the future is the Hoffline wallet that we've kind of come up with will eventually shrink this down was the plan. Um, we'll shrink this down into a, almost a box. So it sits in a, a tiny little box. It has very tiny uh, Pi style chips or there's, there's a new Pi, what's the new Raspberry Pi Pico, I think it's just okay. a rim release, which is tiny. It's a tiny little Pi chip and which obviously can get from quite a lot of places. Uh, the screens and the cameras, which will all come, and it, the cost of it as well came in at uh, under two hundred pounds. Was it for the full thing? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, even in, in terms of form factor and cost, yeah, we can really reduce that down. Like yeah. I say, it's just the first um, iteration of it, really. Um, and the idea we can you can create this little tiny box that you run at home, which everyone if, if they're running their own umbrella nodes at home already on Pies, it would just sit within that, and then you've got the offline device and the online device. And the offline device stores your private keys, but you can remotely access the online device via Tor, like you do with Umbrella at the minute. Um, so you could be out and about and you want to make a Bitcoin transaction. You can make the transaction um, over Tor, over your Umbrella node, which will do the whole QR code piece and send, sign the transaction and then obviously send the transaction. Um, and it will all be very quick as well compared to our current process. Um, so it starts to allow self-custody in a usable manner because you can actually use the your Bitcoin you've got stored, but at the same time, it's cold stored. Um, for it's cold stored, that'll be the, uh, the argument, I'm sure some people will say it's not, <laughs> uh, because it can still be accessed from uh, external um, remote and uh, instant access, isn't it? But so then what is the definition of cold stored, I guess, at that point? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, do you? I, I, you've watched. I assume you've watched. You've watched the video, haven't you? And, yeah. And seeing how that works, um, and I think uh, with that umbrella style thing we're talking about, it will shrink down to obviously a much smaller little, little tiny box. Um, and with that, it almost the idea is it is almost a plug and play for some part. You just buy the hardware pieces yourself, and uh, similar to umbrella, you install the OS and, and it will run. Um, so that's kind of a, I guess a future direction we would like to take it and help create um or help have more people custody in their own bitcoin and mm -hmm. helping obviously they're all running nodes as well at that point and helping the network support the network side and it becomes more of a, a community product and project um than uh, a company one should we call it uh, is the future aim mate that's sorry <laughs> We are so early. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, like um, most people are still trying to get their heads around uh, putting a node together. But now we've, you're already like talking about self-built DIY hardware wallets, which I know people have done in the past, but like that, that's not anywhere near mainstream yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing it in this fashion. Like it's, uh, you know, completely something completely different, something completely new. So like, uh, Zach, how did you feel putting all of this like together with the, these pieces clicking into place? 
in your yeah. hands physically and in your mind. It must yeah, have been yeah. pretty crazy. It was, yeah, it was exciting. Like I said, I think when me and Danny first thought of the idea, it was just us in the office uh, ranting away at each other as we do, um, trying to figure out, um, like you say, talking about the industry. And it did sound like a crazy idea to begin with or like were we being naive? Would it actually work? That kind of thing. And then as you start to build it, you start to get faith behind it and go, yeah, actually, you know, we, we know what we're talking about. Um, we've been around a while now in this industry and this would certainly help us. So I'm sure if it helps us, it would help other exchanges. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting. And then getting together, even the the case. So we first started off with Lego. So it was all in a bunch of Lego. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got a little wizard, haven't we, as well? The Lego wizard yeah, yeah. sat on top of it. So the first incarnation was it all in Lego. And then we not to shield Dave from accounts again. We pulled him in um, and me and him uh, designed like a 3D model of a case. And then I 3D printed it. So blue side the coin corner blue side is the offline side and then the orange side is the hot side i think that was like a 40 hour print on my poor 3d printer (laughs) so yeah even just all that uh, working with hardware yeah it was very exciting very very exciting this is um so i i want to ask like because there's clearly practical practicalities for 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 this device for um like individuals but you you guys are talking about using this for the exchange and i think that's something that's probably very worth delving into can you explain to people listening that might be um like have the question in the back of their minds you know what what is a hot wallet and how do exchanges use that at the moment and then we can talk about the problem that you're trying to solve yeah sure um so hot wallet is a bitcoin wallet that is connected to the internet in some way uh, whether that be hosted on a server somewhere public server um or a um even i'll actually come to the the other bits in a second so yes yeah, it's hosted on a public server should we call it that's connected to the internet that means they are the kind of number one attack vector for exchanges so that is all the hacks we've seen in the past of um or most of the hacks we've seen in the past where bitcoin exchanges have been uh had hot wallets hacked and hundreds of millions i think it would now tally into the billions stolen uh, it's like two the two point two billion dollars total now i think um of bitcoin stolen from hot wallet attacks um, we've seen that from a lot of the biggest exchanges around the world. Um, there's not many these days that um, haven't been hit, really, I think, is, is part of that. Um, we are seeing the likes of BitGo, who've been around the industry quite some time now, um, and I mentioned there before, Fireblocks and Curve, who are using. So BitGo have tried to come and solve this problem for exchanges by offering a service, which is multi-sig, um, which allows the exchange to not have to worry and run the bitcoin wallet infrastructure um it means you kind of have a signature um and so you have a, a private key and the and bitgo have a private key for example and then they kind of run the infrastructure you sign part of your transaction send it over and they sign their side and, and then send the transaction off um they it's great what they've created uh, the infrastructure there and it's allowed a lot of exchanges to move and develop quickly which is good um, so that has helped alleviate some of the problems of hot wallets in the past. Um, they still come with, with issues. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the keys are still connected to some online device somewhere along the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, Firebox, for example, came in with a try to um, kind of better BitGo solution and started using something called MPC, um, which is a, an old methodology, cryptography uh, methodology, which kind of shards the shards. Sharding is like splitting up the private key into multiple pieces um it kind of splits up into multiple pieces it's one private key and then it kind of 
signs the transaction without piecing them fully back together in one place uh, again. But it's an old, MPC is an old methodology from decades um, and the theory behind it's great, but it's new in our industry. So it's still quite untested uh, and also unauditable. Um, whereas with BitGo as an example, so BitGo have actually came out, they did a blog post in me back in 2019, 2020. Um, and they explained why they had not moved into MPC methods and they're sticking to the multi-sig route. Uh, MPC in short kind of came about the way I see it uh, is they tried to better BitGo's products where BitGo only offer cryptocurrencies that have multi-signature built into the protocol. Um, whereas the likes of Fireblocks and Curve tried to better that and tried to enable multi-signature effectively on cryptocurrencies that don't have it built into the protocol. So they've enabled um, infra wallet infrastructure for shitcoins basically uh, throughout the industry, which is... Um, allowed exchanges to add shitcoins quickly is, mm. is part of that, um, which is great for the, the shitcoin space. <laughs> I keep going with that. Just stop saying that. The, the crypto industry um, as a whole, uh, but um, it kind of then, it makes, it pulls back the exchanges having to worry and deal with that infrastructure and then actually try things out. Like what we are doing, we've kind of always, we worked with BitGo quite some years back now. Um, that was back in sort of 2016, I think. Um, but we then we we've always really since ran our own infrastructure, mm. and by doing that, you become aware of the issues and problems, and then um, becoming aware of them problems allows you to innovate and create yeah. new methods and new things. Whereas most exchanges these days, if they're just using Bitco or um, Fireblocks, they're just pushing mm. the problem onto these guys, and these guys can go and solve it. But they're not seeing the you're not seeing both sides uh, of the coin almost um, for for that, which is hopefully what more exchanges like us will do and, and create and innovate. And it always ends up being smaller guys um, because the bigger guys are more focused on, um, I guess, the, the shit coins, uh, the, the yeah. coins yeah. and the, the short-term gain over the long-term yeah. uh, loss, as we call it, uh, whereas we're seeing that this industry is a long-term play rather than mm. a short-term play. I think for me as well, just if you're relying on these third parties like Bitco and Fireblocks and if you know 50% of exchanges are using them, they go down. Customers can't withdraw the Bitcoin. Yeah. So we'd rather be in charge of our own um, infrastructure in that way. Yeah. So as simple as that sounds, that is, you know, if they go down, yeah, you can't withdraw your Bitcoin. You get angry customers. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we all know that Coinbase tends to go down. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think we, uh, I guess, would be proud to say, I think we would probably be the only exchange in the world that's run a air gapped hot wallet, should we say? Um, that I'm aware of. Nice claim. I like yeah, it. I we'll, I'll take, we'll take it. it. <laughs> um, if anybody else has, they've never shouted about it. So that would be interesting. Um, and I do appreciate a lot of people won't shout about their hot wallet infrastructure mm. because it's a security risk. And you kind of, um, the whole method of the black box in style, you, you create something there that is so obfuscated. You don't tell anybody what's in it. So the attack vector is very difficult because nobody knows what's there behind the scenes. Um, which I think is what a lot of even the likes of Firebox and BitGo kind of do that for, for some part. Uh, they talk about the HSM, which is a hardware uh, module, security module, which is kind of like what we've built there in, in essence. Uh, but that will, they don't really give you any detail no. on how that works and what it does and what it even is. Um, they just say there's something there. 
but you don't know what it is. Um, so it's kind of, it might be very insecure, but because you don't know what it is, in turn kind of makes it secure um, for that part. So it's secure by obfuscation rather than secure by design and uh, testing. Um, so I think like the underlining point here is um, when, when you guys showcased it on Twitter, uh, I kind of looked at that as like a bit of a hobby, as a bit of a toy, as a cool thing to, to, you know, like get the plebs excited about, but this, this is like, you, you, you could easily, well, I, I now I understand you're going to be looking to implement this for the exchange. This is a way to take the exchange forward. This is an actual practical use thing. You're trying to solve a problem. And if, if you can iron out all of the problems, then this could be a product that you'll be able to, to market and sell to, to other exchanges. And of course, individuals that, that might want to step up their um, privacy game and yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a, there is a lot, there's kind of a lot can be used use cases for it. Like we're saying there with whether it's an exchange's hot wallet, whether it's, um, a your own personal umbrella style nodes and um, you know there is use cases there these are just the first use cases yeah and um, we appreciate the trade-offs on both sides and that's good because there's going to be people that will build um the opposite to what we are not quite the opposite but different um versions of different um security aspects in mind and we end up with different products and for different use cases uh, so it, yeah there's a lot there um but i do think yeah there's it's potentially I hope it's a bit of an eye-opener. That's kind of one of the things we, we did with this. We could have just built this in the background and ran it on our exchange and just kept that quiet and left that because um, we we know personally that the, the exchange, uh, the hot wallet is more secure um, and it's obviously a, a benefit to the business. But at the same time, hiding that and keeping that to ourselves is not going to help push the industry forwards and move things forwards for the whole industry. Um, so it's better that we push it out there and get the feedback from the industry is, is one great angle to it, uh, which means we can improve on what we've got there and find all the holes and the flaws. Um, but at the same time, other people can take a look at that and think, okay, that's a good idea. Or it's an idea that, well, if we tweak this and change this, we could do this. Mm. And it starts to create uh, more innovative ideas around what we've created there. Um, so yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be looking to open source it as well. I think at some point might touch on there, whether we sell it to, other exchanges. Uh, we have had a couple uh, contacted asking about using it for uh, their own hot wallets. Um, we've had um, a couple uh, companies outside of our sector asking to use it for certain things. Um, mm -hmm. So we have had some interest, which was interest we wouldn't have thought of as well uh, initially, um, but we are getting interest and it's just kind of how we go about um, commercializing it i guess for the most part there um, and we had this discussion internally originally it was kind of like what do we do with it do we commercialize it do we sell it do we even tell people about it and it was this whole discussion um but i think we, we've kind of opted for the go forwards um shout about it show everybody see what happens see if anyone wants to use it see if anyone can spin it and change it um and eventually we'll, we'll look to open source it as well once yeah. we're, we're happy with it there and um, again, once it's open source, people can see how to break it and find them holes and flaws, uh, which will be beneficial for us, but it will be beneficial for the, the whole industry. Yeah, I think even taking Bitcoin, excluding Bitcoin from it all, we've essentially created an arbitrary air-gapped data communication. So even outside of our industry, like we say, we were trying to think of ideas outside the industry that it could be used for, uh, if you take it at a high, high level like that. It is. It has, like I said before, the, the trade-offs, doesn't it? The data side, it's uh, one of the 
Um, but the benefits is there's only a small amount of data can be passed backwards and forwards between these mm. QR codes um, because that means then that a, a attack vector for that is is potentially difficult. Um, but on the downside of that, it's only a small amount of data yeah. to pass backwards <laughs> and forwards. So you can't really pass like gigabytes of data back and forwards for anything. So the use case for that becomes, becomes uh, diminished, doesn't it? But, mm. um, the uh, the benefit, I guess, is what we're trying to do, which is the, the private key piece uh, and keeping the private key completely offline mm -hmm. uh, and never goes online. Yeah, and if we see that as an improvement from our current setup, then it makes sense we should use it in the exchange. If, you know, it might not be perfect, like say everything has trade offs, but it's, if it's an improvement, then yeah, we will naturally start using it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Customers would be more than happy to know that you've upped security and uh, you know another layer to. Um, to your security protocol and uh you know the the attack vector is harder for people now to to come in and, and you know try and hack i mean that that gives users of the exchange you know that uh that extra kind of feeling of safety yeah 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 it does and hopefully that that will as well um we, we don't we're not quite obviously we're not running it in production 100 at the minute so we're just kind of dipping in and out with production um purely because we're, we're testing it and we're playing around so mm -hmm. we're figuring things out but um once we're kind of happy and it's running then we will um most likely create even if it's like a web page that explains it and shows it and explains how it is more secure for uh, customer funds um which will be great and it's a, such a positive angle to go at um and as i say there hopefully as well we can um work with the the umbrella side and if people want to self-custody, then they can also have this exact same setup effectively in, in their home and able to do that. Um, so yeah, I imagine it's, it's the it's one thing that gives you the most worry and loses the most sleep when you're holding yeah. people's <laughs> Bitcoin on their behalf. Uh, and uh, yep. <laughs> that's yeah. not great. I would yeah. I would never want that responsibility. Uh, but obviously, you know, that comes with running an exchange. Um, so a few questions around that, because there's... Um, a lot of research now, people using Glassnode or whatever else to, to you know, track what's going on on exchanges. What have you guys seen in-house? Has there been an uptick recently in, in withdrawals? Um, i trying to think of our movements. We've probably fairly steady, steady over the last uh, month or two, coming over the period, very similar to Glassnode of what you see already. Mm. Um, I, that's something I've been, I used to be, uh, I was, annoying you guys wasn't there for quite some time <laughs> uh, a year or two ago when i first started playing around with glassnode and i'd be sending the team things all the time about on-chain analysis and uh, showing them what's going on um and it's i'm glad more people are starting to do that now i think we're seeing more uh, twitter accounts pushing that and driving that um, and it does it's it very very interesting to see because there's such a correlation between bitcoin going into an exchange it's logic at the end of the day as well don't get yeah. me wrong but Bitcoin moving into an exchange and the price coming down against Bitcoin moving out of the exchange and the price going up. Um, and we was looking at, it was about, it was just before the last, the first uh, COVID lockdown, wasn't it? That was mm. like playing around. So just a year and a half ago when I was um, showing these guys that sort of correlation and trying to explain it. Um, and we, we do very much see the same thing as what is happening on Glassnode. Um, it moves in the same direction as the price is going up. Um, the, uh, the the general or in the build up to the price going up, the Bitcoin balances with us, should we say, uh, reduce. And then as the price kind of hits uh, peak or starts to come down and people get scared, then the balances start to 
uh, Bitcoin starts to come back into the exchange because people panic sell. Uh, and I think that is a lot. Of the, it's just retail audience yeah. doing that a lot of the time as well. Um, and I think one of the, is it um, Willy Woo? And uh, he's very good on the, the on-chain analysis side now. Uh, and is it William something? Yeah, uh, William Clement, Clement the third. William, yeah, William Clement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's uh, he seems to have grabbed the uh, the ball by the horns there and um, really gone for the glass nodes uh, analysis angle, which is really good because it's it's showing to everybody and highlighting it, um, what's going on there. And I think uh, seeing that um, is just so accurate as to what's going on in the accumulation period. I feel like right now, again, we are as the price steadies out you see the accumulation periods and the bitcoin then coming off exchanges um as people are buying and, and removing um and then on the the flip side as i say it's, uh, it reverses eventually um so yeah it's it's weird because i think if people or people are realizing now it's almost predictable to see because you because it's all open and, and transparent and you can see everything people are going to now start watching that more closely and by doing that will that reverse the trend in some way because people are predicting it and they're going to be then um, effectively betting against certain ways it, it moves. So um, maybe we'll only see a short period where this is uh, able to be predictable almost uh, before people start jumping and doing the opposite, which then causes it to, uh, the trend to, to break or reverse. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to watch. But yes, short, short answer. <laughs> uh, we see effectively the same trends as what you see on Glassnode. Um, is, is the short answer of that right and we want to see more and more people taking control this is the thing right this is uh, like uh, all about the the education piece but i guess if people are dcaing smaller amounts 50 to 100 pounds a week or even a month or whatever they're not going to go straight off into a hard wallet that you know they're going to sit on the exchange for a little while build up until somebody gets a little bit uncomfortable then they're going to take it off so um yeah the DCA is going to have some kind of effect. Yeah. yeah. I think I was just saying that hopefully in the future, we will see more of DCA and then auto withdrawal via lightning and, you know, the, the perfect Bitcoin pleb essentially um, auto withdraw via lightning to their, to their wallet straight away. Um, that's kind of my hope in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So we was looking at, we spoke briefly, didn't we, with uh, lightning labs guys on um, how we can create a, off, off, we had offline in mind, but we didn't. It was at the time we weren't really announcing it, and we was trying to figure out what they had in mind around how we could um, create a, an offline Lightning wallet that is usable. Um, so we were trying to see how we can tie mm. offline, and we still haven't quite got to the, the bottom of that. But um, there is a one coming soon, isn't there? Actually, for the offline one that can receive. Uh, yeah, I think some so, guys are playing around with it, aren't they? And I know Lightning Labs are um, playing around with yeah how to improve security and get more things offline if possible. So you can have a Lightning node that can receive payments but is offline. Is the theory with that one, isn't it? So in theory, if you then come and buy at Coin Corner and DCA, you will be able to withdraw via Lightning to your Lightning wallet, which is offline because it's receiving. So that's an interesting one. So maybe as we're moving forwards with... 50 pound DCAs or even 10 pound DCAs, you can withdraw via Lightning to an offline wallet instantly. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where that one goes. <laughs> not, not quite sure where we're at with that one yet, but that is uh, on the cards, I guess, going forward. But these are, as you said before, we're so early still. Yeah. Um, these yeah. things are being created. You have to play around, you break things. Um, and 
eventually they'll they'll start to come together and it'll be more usable for the public. Yeah, the UX is always a struggle initially, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's so complex. It's so it's it's up to then so Lightning Labs and those kind of guys building out building out the tech and then up to like us and to try and automate things and make the UX nice um, for the end user. Yeah, yeah, it's like a strike. Obviously, is the mm. golden yeah. child I think at the minute of the industry uh, right now for the El Salvador movements. Um, but they, you know, without the companies like themselves, um, Lightning are building Lightning Labs guys and um, Blockstream guys, and that they're building the infrastructure there for us to then utilize and play and, and make that then uh, usable for the end customer. Uh, and you need more companies like Strike and uh, like ourselves and um, so the, some of the other guys out there utilizing it more. Um, rather that that's the you know that's what drove us to offline. Mm. The smaller guys are trying to do things. The bigger guys that have got you know billions of dollars in funding and sat there just adding shit coins and not doing anything uh, innovative, um, which is uh, as I said before, short term gains for long term loss uh, is the way I think we see it. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And you saying Blockstream, I just remembered in your thread you were even talking about messing around with their satellite to take yeah. it. Even to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do too much in here, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've. We played, we got their satellite up and running um, was that about three years ago now. Yeah, it was a while ago. So we'd already played around with it. Um, they've got a much better because we had to, that was an absolute nightmare. That was a, a journey in itself. Yeah, we're not a satellite time. expert. <laughs> but we, we tried to become satellite <laughs> Over experts. a weekend. <laughs> uh, we did it in a weekend, to be fair, didn't we? But yeah. um, we had to go and buy all the pieces of the satellite to piece it all together. And um, we got, we did get it running on a computer and receiving something. Um, but they've got a much better almost plug and play style one, haven't they? Yeah. They've just released. Um, but yeah, the idea with that is actually you could have um, a Bitcoin core wallet sat on the offline device that which has your private keys on, which is completely offline, but that could be connected to the satellite that can just receive blocks basically. So that's just receiving the blocks. So you could then run a full verifying full node um, on the offline device and continue to make the transactions from there and sign things from there. Um, so that would just kind of speed things up a little bit of the the way the infrastructure works. Mm. Um, it, it means you won't have to pass as much data across from the hot one, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it means you verif- your offline one is verifying the transactions and verifying all the blocks and the data itself as well. Um, so it doesn't have to trust anything else. So uh, there's, there's little little benefits to it, um, but it's, again, one of them, you explore it and somebody will do that, I'm sure, in the future and play around with it. And then you'll find, oh, well, what about this and what about that? And it spins off into other ideas that uh, then make sense and make it find a use case almost. Um, but yeah, definitely this satellite is uh, going to be an interesting one to play around. We haven't played around with that one just yet for this, but we will. We will. <laughs> we'll get there. Do you ever sit there and think, like, how can we lose? Like, really? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't see Barclays or Deutsche messing around with satellites. Uh, for, for the financial legacy system like you know th- th- yeah just where's the innovation there, there yeah. isn't any they, they no. can't they're too big they're too slow um, that's one of the massive frustrations for me over the years um being say back in 2015 2014 15 16 periods where the big banks wanted to be involved so I, myself and um one of the co-founders we went around Barclays, we went around um, so many banks doing talks and explaining things to them, how Bitcoin works and what, what goes on with it. Um, they're all interested and they all want to know and, and the people there were, were great around all these places. And we went, we went and did a lot of these uh, conversations. A big part of that was, you know, we were trying to educate people on Bitcoin, but we were trying to see if we can get them comfortable with um, opening UK bank uh, or UK banking for us effectively. 
which was always a no-go. We never got anywhere with that, uh, except uh, trying to educate them on it. But what came from all this was blockchain and this <laughs> blockchain buzzword that got thrown around and they all just wanted to know what the blockchain is and how the blockchain can solve these problems and so on and so on and so on. And it, it was, honestly, it was the bane of my life for probably three years there of just uh, trying to explain to people. We, we genuinely had, I don't know if I even mentioned this to you last time on it, but we had a journalist ask us, um, <laughs> how is blockchain going to cure hunger? Your world hunger and stuff like that. We just looked at him like, is that a serious question? I don't know if you're joking. He was like, because he, he, he didn't understand blockchain enough or anything, but he's just hearing it. He'd read somewhere about it, I think, that how blockchain was going to cure poverty and, and uh, world hunger and stuff like this. And it was just, I, it just, I don't even know what to say back to him. The reply was just like, I, I don't even know where to start with that. Um, but it was, it was so frustrating that. The big companies, the big banks, these guys, they seem to follow the buzzword of the industry at the time and they want to be seen to be looking into it and doing something with it, but they don't generally, I'm sure maybe they do in the background, actually jump in and do things. But um, from what we've seen and, and the, the people we've spoken to, especially with the blockchain angle and the Bitcoin side of things, they've never really R&D and played around Bitcoin um, to any extent. The blockchain angle, they have. Um, we... Uh, we were going to take BC funding back in 2016, I think that was. Um, we didn't take that in the end because uh, it just our visions for this industry and this world were just not aligned. Um, but they they made an offer to us and we was going backwards and forwards with it. And the offer, unfortunately, ended up with 50% of the funds can be used to uh, progress and, and sort of move Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin exchange piece forwards, which is going corner. Uh, but 50% of the funds had to be used to develop a blockchain idea. <laughs> and I, honestly, this is this was an incredible piece of this. And I turned around to them and said, what blockchain idea do you want us to do? And they said, we don't know, we just want a blockchain idea. Unbelievable. And th they were willing to throw money at us to come up with a blockchain idea that they didn't have a clue about, we didn't have a clue about, we didn't want to do. Um, and it was, it was just incredible. We just ended up saying no in the end and walked away from it. Um, but it was that they want to be seen to be doing something in these yeah. buzzword areas, uh, but they never really uh, innovate, I guess, in the way they need the small guys to innovate. Mm. And then they'll come in eventually and try and buy the small guys and bring that technology into their services somewhere along the lines. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah, it's all about optics for them. They want to seem like they're innovating um, by just throwing money at it, some random buzzword. But mm. Yeah, I don't want to sit there and I, don't, I feel like I'm sitting there slagging them off and, <laughs> and abusing these fans. But you know, I, they come on, I'm, they deserve it, mate. Like, look yeah. what's going on. Look what's going on out of Barclays recently in the in the last week. Uh, you know, they they've started halting people's um, money from, yeah. from from you know being sent across to the exchanges that they were using. It's just nuts. Yeah, I think I mean that one's a bit of a, a touchy subject. I think around uh, a few areas, um, so I probably won't go into that one too much. Um, but yeah, the uh, it, it is it's wrong in a way. Um, but the Binance side of things at the minute, Binance side of things, they, I mean, they're playing a, a dodgy game. They're playing a scary game. Uh, Binance at the minute, they've just been kicked out of Cayman, was it again the other day? Now, um, if we can believe the media, um, but they've just jumped from country to country. I, I don't know what they're doing, uh, but they are causing problems for us and the rest of the industry as well which is is not ideal um whether they realize it or not or whether they mean to be doing that or not they are creating uh, issues and problems for the rest of the exchanges around the world mm -hmm. that 
um, which in turn will lead to heavier regulation. If, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not what we want. Yeah. Which is already what we've seen. That's why the FCA have pushed on um, the likes of Barclays and things at the minute, where you know they don't want them to send that money to, to Binance because um, Binance are doing things that are uh, regular should be within a regulatory scope and, and they're not regulated. So um, they are doing regulated activity without regulation. Whether that's uh, a, um, a personal opinion of whether that's right or wrong, I think for some of that, because it's people's own money and all that sort of side, but um, they are doing it in the eyes of the law there, which as Zach says there, the, the law will then come down on the likes of us heavier because these guys that, I don't know where they are located anymore. They don't seem to have a location. Uh, I think I remember listening to CZ's podcast and i think somebody had asked him like where do you where's your headquarters and he's like we don't have one uh, and it's like they, they just don't i think they just operate so remotely now that their staff are just dotted around all over the world they don't actually have a headquarter office or anything um they tried to didn't they? use it in malta well it was china first then hong kong then malta then bermuda then cayman now and jersey as well jersey. in between there as well and now i don't know where they are um, and they are just all over the place, um, jumping around, which is a in, very interesting business model, to be quite honest. Um, how, <laughs> how you've been able to, to create a business that scale and that size um, while not having an office or a headquarter. Uh, it's almost a decentralized company <laughs> for some part there, uh, which is impressive, quite honestly, as well. Um, but it does cause those headaches. Um, yeah, they're focusing problems. on the wrong things, isn't it? They're not trying to grow the industry or anything. They're just trying to find these legal loopholes all over the world to make themselves more money, I imagine. Yeah, it kind of comes down on us, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. So stark warning for anybody that's listening that has any Bitcoin on with Binance, just <laughs> put it off to a wallet. Any exchange, I think yeah. I should go for as well. Really, uh, yeah. Take, take yourself custody. I appreciate you. You know, we, we would be well. We wouldn't be out, out of business if everyone self custody because you still come and buy from us effectively. But you know, you should be self custody. Custody. Um, mm-hmm. But we appreciate not everybody is is going to do that. Um, but if you can and you can understand it, then yeah, definitely worth doing. Zach, it's it, it must. I'm almost well. No, I am very envious of you that uh, <laughs> you, you came into this world and you've you've managed to immediately noise has been shut off and it's all signal. Uh, you've mm-hmm. not you know not got caught up in the ICO bullshit mm-hmm. that Danny was explaining, like that VC firm trying to push you to to make some token yeah, yeah. out of thin air, like uh, which would have just. Well, you know, yeah, think about that. Like um, that, that was a reputation ruiner, uh, you know, off the bat, if, if, it, if you'd have taken that cash, but you've, you've come into, um, to see this, this Bitcoin world and uh, it escaped, hopefully all of the, the shit coining and, and messing around, yeah, and, yeah. you know, a laser like focus, which uh, very few of us have, have had that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think looking back, you're probably quite lucky. Um, so I recently read the Block Size Wars book uh, by Jonathan Bier. Uh, yeah, great book. I liked, yeah, so I came into the industry towards the end of that. So around the Segwit to X stuff, which I didn't understand obviously at the time, but looking back now, I realised what Danny had to deal with and what was going on. You know, the the infighting between the whole community and, and that kind of thing. Um, very interesting. Yeah, I pulled out the thing for you, didn't I? Because when Zach was reading yeah. that, I remember. Uh, I was um, talking to one of the, what would have been was Bitcoin Unlimited at the time, one of their developers, and he came over here and came into the office and sat down with them, chatting away and stuff. But he ended up sending me an email saying that uh, if we didn't 
um, support like Bitcoin Unlimited and the bigger block sizes, our business would be no more. Um, I can't remember the word he said. I actually tweeted, I think, the, the quote from the email that he sent me. I still have that email I dug out for Zach to send him. Uh, you know, we was getting threats from Bitcoin Unlimited developers telling us that if we didn't go and use their bigger blocks uh, fork as such, uh, then we would be um, no more as a company, uh, which is incredible. But yeah, it was, it was, I'm glad you, you guys and a couple of others in the office have read it now. Yeah, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, it just helped reaffirm uh, our belief in you know Bitcoin only and the community and uh, the consensus you know that we do. Everyone always moans things take time to in Bitcoin Core to get in, like you know Taproot and that kind of thing. But these are the reasons why. These are you know this is why it's important. Yeah, I think you've got a, a proud uh, claim that you've never bought shitcoin. Yeah, so. no, never, <laughs> never. One of the, the few, pure. One of, one of the few, mate. One of the few. <laughs> Managed to catch him earlier. Yeah, yeah. Next to him every day. So yeah, sat next to Danny every day. <laughs> well done. I, and my only, my only hope is that you know those coming in now, like in 2020, 2021, there'll be more and more people that just are so focused on Bitcoin and and mm -hmm. will never fall down into these these little traps. But um, it's yeah, difficult. Think, yeah, I think the, the El Salvador thing uh, has been massive for that, and I think that's opened. It's opening a lot of people's eyes. Um, you know, we talk to the, the Alaman government here closely as well, and they've uh, backwards and forwards with a few of them there about uh, Bitcoin strategy and, and how you can um, embed it into to the country. We're in a it, it's hard and it's weird because we're in different completely uh, the Alaman is in a completely different scenario to the likes of El Salvador. Um, and El Salvador don't have their own currency because it's based off the US dollar. They're a fairly poor country. Um, they don't, 70% of the country is unbanked and, um, you know, we're actually sat here with, in the Isle of Man, a very rich country, should we say, mm. we have no debt at all to be, um, and quite a, a good balance sheet, healthy balance sheet. Um, Easy do access have, to banking for everyone. Yeah, 100% banked, I would say, I don't yeah. think anyone's unbanked over here that wants to be. Um, they, we don't have the same problems as what El Salvador does. So when I'm going and talking to the guys, uh, the government there, it's kind of you trying to explain to them why create this Bitcoin strategy. And for them, there's not as many benefits as there is for El Salvador right now. So uh, one of the big ones obviously over here would be, you know, put on the balance sheet and as an investment and so on. And, and that's uh, an angle we're talking to them about and, and moving down. Um, but then it's trying to find other use cases for it and how it can be used. And we do actually have a, a massive, um, there's quite a good business culture on the Alamand, the business industry on the Alamand. So we end up with, uh, rightly or wrongly lots of offshore style should we say companies that register here which have business all around the world so um, cross-border payments is a big one mm. and we have quite a few clients that um, make bitcoin cross-border payments um, for that exact reason so they might be an alabang company but they actually do most of their business in other territories which means money needs to come back here so there's benefits to to a lot of companies here that are doing that um, it's just finding that that right angle for the government um, and bringing the government on board. Um, but the, the El Salvador thing has certainly woke up even the government here to say, well, well maybe we need to look at a, a Bitcoin strategy as well. Um, and yeah. how, how can we, it's, it's not a case I think anymore of um, like this magical internet money and uh, it's Bitcoin, we're, we're busy, leave us alone. It's now a case of, well, okay, great, we'll do it, but what's the use case for us? Why does it benefit us? And we're trying to now help find that, that use case. Uh, and I think El Salvador has done that and worked mm. the countries up around the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, so. 
El Salvador's use case, yeah, you're right. It's completely different. I mean, that's a medium of exchange, right? There's a currency. Yeah. Um, Isle of Man is store of value. That's yes. that's got to yeah. be the use case. Like, the, the, you know, the the value is there. How are you going to protect it? How does that wealth stay protected? And in two to three years' time, have that grow and improve infrastructure and uh, will pension funds on the island as well. You know, make sure that people have access to their savings in uh, ten to fifteen, thirty years' time, whenever retirement comes uh yeah completely different use case yeah, yeah. that's what but we're... still a use case which yeah. is the important thing that's why the one of the things i always love about bitcoin and i used to always i used to say it more often than not uh, more often than i do now uh but bitcoin is different things to different people mm-hmm. and it is that people say ask me what's bitcoin and that used to be, always be my answer it's different things to different people uh, and it's showing that so well now um that el salvador as you say there it's a usable currency uh transfer <laughs> A medium and here it can just be a store of value store of wealth mm-hmm. um investment whatever you want to call it and now we're getting into with lightning and even layer three you're getting into it's a tech layer to build you know tech projects on I'm loving the one the other day what's uh in impervious yeah yes. layer three so built on top of lightning um, what's so, this so this is kind of the first layer three i'd say the first seen. one i've seen around yeah they're a new startup company um, building technology on the lightning on the lightning network um, trying to be a bit bit like the internet so you can host content and then you know, privately um via the lightning network see someone else's content so it's kind of like a private internet um so it's like yeah a the best way to describe it maybe is like you can host a website decentralized like a yeah just a basic html website you'll be able to host via lightning nodes Mm -hmm. so anybody can access it and it can't be uh, can't be censored i think it came about from you know all the Mm. the censorship on the internet at the moment if you're hosting a website um using a server provider that doesn't agree with you they can just take it down but this is so that comes in quite handy for the bitcoin.org recent issues yeah and yeah, yeah someone needs to get that onto uh impervious yeah uh, and so they're, they're still building but definitely check them out there seeing like they're doing some cool stuff yeah so if like for example if that was around x amount of years ago and silk road was built on that we wouldn't be in the situation we're in right now with ross in prison and um it's an interesting question. Yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking that through in my head now. <laughs> I guess they could have still potentially caught him and he could have still been in prison, but they wouldn't have been able to theoretically take the website down because without um, compromising all of the nodes that share and run that data, it's almost like a, a, a decentralized hosting company. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like trying to shut Bitcoin off, isn't it? In essence, there. Mm. It's not as long as it's shared. Um, by enough people, it's kind of a similar route to maybe the proof of stake, this proof of stake sidechain thing that bit like talks about often, where you've um, with fifty nodes that share sharded data, um, you will you will be um, susceptible to an attack where that could be taken down and, and would not work in um, a correct fashion. And I think the the bit like numbers when he ran them it was something like two, you need at least a minimum of 200 nodes that share that same sharded data to be sustainable and actually workable and scalable um so if you had for example yeah that that silk road website running on uh, 200 nodes <laughs> i'm trying to think how you word this now because there's no words for it right <laughs> no. now because it's quite new mm-hmm. um so if there's 200 nodes that all share that 
web data, uh, the web pages, for example, uh, that they can um, serve it to customers that are looking to, to browse the website, um, then that is then scalable and difficult to take down because you've got to compromise mm. all 200 of their nodes and take them down. Um, We're also not sure technically how, I don't think the purviers have come out and, you know, technically said how they're doing these things so we're not sure if they are sharding or that kind of thing it's still very early it took a bit of digging for us to understand how because on the, the some feedback for them they could probably do with highlight on the home page exactly how <laughs> what it is what it is and how it works because <laughs> there's lots of words around what's going on but it was very difficult to um translate that almost into english they posted a good demo video that people should yeah, go and watch was better yeah so is this going to be like the 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 world's next computer, dare I say, and goodbye to the other project that we. Uh... <laughs> yeah, potentially, I, and I think that's. Um, have you ever watched Silicon Valley, the TV show? No, no. It, it's worth a watch. It's entertaining, but uh, quite accurate for the the VC world that we've uh, been through in the past. Um, but that is the, one of the products they eventually come to create is decentralized internet, and that is literally like what. Um, that's trying to be um, or what that's moving towards. Um, they kind of break it at the end, don't they? Mm. That, that's the whole mess. I won't spoil the end of the film. That's at the end of the series. Um, but yeah, they, potentially some form of a new mm. internet. As a, I think from my point of view, it's just good to see what we thought was going to happen happen in that it will be built in layers. So we are now seeing, you know, layer three is coming. Although, although, although layer two hasn't been finished and obviously lightning still being built. Even layer one, Bitcoin is still being built upon. And we are seeing those layers, which we've talked about. I know me and Danny have talked about for years about, you know, building on the layers, and like the internet is built in layers. This, our network will also be built in layers. Yeah. Technology is built in layers at the yeah. end of the day, whether people understand that or, or realize mm -hmm. that um, it is built in layers. And that's one of the big things, these, these altcoins and their marketing gimmicks are so, well, I guess they're so... Uh, well done <laughs> that the public believe them and kind of run with it and saying about being scalable and all these things it's just not the way technology is built yeah they're trying to do everything on layer one which yeah, yeah. doesn't work yeah. um it doesn't scale. yeah exactly i mean a farmer didn't go from a hoe to a tractor in in one leap right you know <laughs> there's a little bit of layering of technology yeah. in between but we we should show nick's book right here because i had him on the show recently oh, nice layered money and i don't know if you guys have read it i really um, recommend it I think I've just added that to my Audible. I think I bought that uh, a couple of weeks ago on Audible, uh, but I haven't read that yet. Yeah, I, I actually listened to your podcast with him. Um, it was very good. So, um, but yeah, we we have a Bitcoin book club we just started in the office so, <laughs> um, where we're just reading the same book, essentially, and then having a big meeting about it. And what, what are you doing it. at the moment? Well, <laughs> oh, that's, this is a controversial one. The first one we did was uh, Jason Williams' book on... Uh, yeah okay i've not read it really good actually very very good that's probably one of the ones now i would uh recommend for any newbie coming into the industry read that because it's very easy to understand it's very up to date because it's a new book um and it, it's just very to the point with everything it's very him and his personality and the way it comes across it's, it's very very good um yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so yeah, the current book. <laughs> yeah, controversially. Uh, so we're making each person of the book club gets to pick the book every month. Oh, guess uh, whose fault this so one is. Dave, it? the accountant. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> <So> always him. Has <laughs> decided to pick Mark Carney, the former governor of Bank of England's values, um, which is like a twenty-hour audio book. Yeah. 
It's painful. The positive I do like from this is always read the opposition's... Know your enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. your enemy better than they know themselves, and and that is that's a good angle to it. Uh, although I'm what halfway through the book at ten hours mm. in or whatever it is now, and it's just like uh, my word. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not not an uh, exciting book. Uh, uh, to really. me, the way the way he talks, he sounds like he's a Bitcoiner. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, he knows the current system is needs fixing. Where he believes central bank digital currencies will fix that. Where I'd think he just didn't do his research properly on Bitcoin. Um, well, he wants the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that as well. Yeah, he can see Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I want Bitcoin, but I want to be yeah. in control of Bitcoin and have all the, uh, the you know, be ahead yeah, of the, yeah. uh, the whole thing and pull the puppet strings. Uh, right, I'm yeah, going to download those... uh, Jason's money right now. Yes, done. It's worth credit. It. It's definitely worth it. Um, yeah, those who don't know, Mark Carney is uh, a Canadian guy who was the uh, Bank of England governor. Was it governor? Yeah. Um, from 2012 to 2018. Something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's obviously held very uh, high um, financial positions around the world historically, and then obviously the Bank of England uh, being a, a quite a pivotal role for him. Um, but then he wrote the book after this, didn't he? Was it when last year he wrote the book? End of last year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was expecting it to be a bit more interesting, but yeah. <laughs> it's been all right. So, Danny, have you got a, do you know which book you're going to uh, choose when it's your turn? Mine was the Jason Williams one. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that, one. Right. So, yeah, that, that was that one. Um, Zach's, but, Zach's probably got like a human action up his sleeve or something. <laughs> Mine was actually layered money. Um, maybe your one. book. Uh, I've been eyeing your book up for Dan as well. Um, nice. I think the one that I, because you were reading one, which coincidentally timed with El Salvador. Yeah, I was reading one. Yeah, it was so random. I was reading about basically Latin American history and all the civil wars right before the El Salvador announcement. Yeah. I'd like just finished a chapter on El Salvador. Yeah. <laughs> so I might throw that in the mix as yeah. well, just to mix it up. But it's, it's great. I think it's good fun because we all get to afterwards of having a chat about the book and um, having the conversations around what everyone's taken away from it. And it, it helps educate. We're trying to do them more around that will benefit the industry as our education, our knowledge. Mm. Uh, but even ones like the politics and things there, they, Bitcoin is just coming in. I was talking to the was the team trying to explain Bitcoin has become everything. It's, it's money, yeah. it's politics, it's economy, it's um, technology. There's, it's just so many pieces mm. to the puzzle of what Bitcoin is now. And politics is starting to become a very yeah. uh, influential role. Um, so learning more about world politics and, you know, Jack, from Strike, uh, Jack Mallers from Strike, going over to El Salvador. You know, we we never thought to go and do that. Um, Jack has obviously kind of done that. All credit to him. Um, but until you understand and learn what these other countries are doing around the world and how they operate, you don't know how mm. Bitcoin can help out or what you can do there. Um, I think that was a big eye, eye opener for me as well. Obviously, techie background, all about tech, tech, tech. But then I found my love for economics and politics, and you know, really opened my eyes and got me learning about the world and how it's run that kind of thing well, how yeah. it's not run. yeah i did a i did an episode with chimbera i don't know if you've caught that one yet um the uh, the guy that jack talks about in in the mm. opening of his speech um so chimbera oh, from nice. uh, from bitcoin beach and then so so yeah. getting to talk to him and uh you know how bitcoin has affected his life and mm. his community you get a real feel of um of the power of it and uh, you know what we're here to ultimately do and mm. it's uh, yeah it's pretty um yeah it's pretty amazing but uh we i should ask you a few things about 
coin corner and what's going on um let, let's shield uh, your, your cashback offering what what should people know about this because this is something the uk i know the uk plebs have been screaming about i want a fold or i want a, a lolly or <laughs> yeah. something so what 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 have you managed to put together so we affect same as as lolly in the us um just for, for those listening that understand what a lolly is so it's just cashback in in the uk um we have over a thousand merchants now um it's uk and europe as well uh, mostly UK, because um, that's always kind of been our primary focus. Uh, you come onto the website, um, find the place onto Coin Corner, sorry, um, find the, the merchant you want to go and shop at, whether that's, say, PC World Couriers or something like that. Click through to their website, obviously go and buy whatever you buy them, go and buy your TV, uh, and then you're going to get Bitcoin cashback um, for that purchase. Might be anything up to, uh, generally ranges from maybe 1% or 2% up to, uh, 40% I think back is, is the biggest one, which obviously is quite substantial. Um, so we, yeah, we launched this quite uh, about nine, nine months mm-hmm. ago. I think it was a properly uh, launch. Um, we've, we've not had time to really um, push it out there in, in the industry. I think is one of the downsides at the minute because we've been so busy with everything. Uh, but now we are actually um, starting to turn a focus and starting to push that, that product out to people. Um, I think a big part, um, is what we were talking about before with the DCA inside and it allows people to save small amounts over time mm-hmm. and we've seen this again I'm going to be coming out with lots of stats on Twitter over the coming weeks uh, where because we've been using DCA for 12 months we've been using the cashback for that for that sort of time period as well I've got now stats of um, things I've bought from the cashback products over the time uh, and I've held that Bitcoin and then what that Bitcoin is now worth um, and I think for some of my purchases that I might have only got like, you know, 5, 10, 15% back on some of them, they are now starting to become almost worth, there might be about 60, 70, 80% equivalent of what I paid for the products now in Bitcoin. Mm. This is um, what I so, love, right? Everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. Te- it just trend, it trends to free. If you do your grocery shopping and you get cash back on Bic- in Bitcoin, yeah. it's gonna that that purchase is gonna trend to free it's it's mad yeah yeah, yeah exactly that and that is i think now people are starting to see it as a savings piece as well a uh, savings angle for a lot of people i think the cashback will start to become more yeah. of a popular product yeah if you want like say what would you rather have cashback in a, a depreciating asset like you know sterling <laughs> or you know store of value like bitcoin so it's, yeah. it just makes sense so we, we do have um coming coming soon uh can't say a time scale on that yet because we've got quite a few moving parts in the background that's um happening uh, quite a few exciting things but um actually we've got two things haven't we that we can maybe say about um so one of them yeah <laughs> would be a uh fold style one as well so um the card for uk people um which will then as well give you cash back uh, on the anywhere you spend effectively or certain places for certain percentages um so that will be coming as well soon uh which will be coin corner card and a, another one which will be coming soon, uh, maybe will have to be a phased approach. Again, mm. mechanics behind the scenes won't go into. Um, that will be the uh, loan products, so Bitcoin backed loans for UK people as well. Um, so similar to BlockFi and the likes, um, where they've got their, their Bitcoin backed loans. A massive, <clears throat> I think, again, we're, we're still early, is the, the <laughs> always go to quote, I think, for all this. Uh, but what you see is the UK, and I'm, I think the UK at the minute, I've not kept up to date with that at the minute, but the capital gains tax, they're talking about increasing again, aren't they, at the minute? From, mm, they want to lower uh, the threshold as well. From 
10,000 to 2,000 or something. It was a ridiculous... A double uh, attack. Yeah, yeah. Double attack. Uh, And increased the capital gains from, was it 20% to 40%? It was a double... Oh, my God. It was was crazy. Um, So even at 20% of the capital gains in the UK, uh, people, if you sell your Bitcoin, you've got to pay, you're losing straight away 20%. Could be going up to, I think it is going up to 40% was the, the proposal. Um, so obviously, you know, you sell 100 grand worth of Bitcoin, just keep it simple, you'll lose 40 grand, uh, if, depending on what you pay for it, of course, and what that gain is, mm-hmm. um, up to 40 grand um, in capital gains tax. So um, it's an incredible amount. So the Bitcoin-backed loans start to become potentially interesting Active, to people yeah. because you hold Bitcoin long-term, and if Bitcoin's value um, continues to increase over, over the years, you take loan out against that um which you then take uh, i'm trying to keep numbers simple you've got 100 grand with the bitcoin you come and take a, even a 20 grand loan with us out for that which is a 20 percent ltv um you can then pay that back over x amount of years and you don't have to pay any tax gains on that mm-hmm. or anything and if over the next three years you pay that 20 grand back even with a five percent interest let's say um that five percent interest then as long as in that three-year period, your Bitcoin value has gone up um, beyond the 5%, which uh, history tells us it will, um, then you know, you've know you become far, far better off than if you'd have cashed in for sterling, had to not only pay capital gains tax, but also wouldn't have gained the, the value over time of that three-year period of Bitcoin as well. So it, it's a bit of a mind change. And I think we, I've discussed this internally with a few guys and it is a very, it's the mindset, it doesn't make sense almost. It's a very confusing process to go through. Um, but you see in the likes of Michael Saylor playing this out on a, a very large mm-hmm. scale. Why can't the rest of the public do this on a smaller scale as well? Um, which they can do. They just don't realise that yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect way to get everyone into the never sell mentality. Not sell, just get a loan. Um, it's what the wealthy people do. Yeah. And wealthy people effectively take the loans out against their assets and mm-hmm. what they hold. Um, yes. Why the wealthy and, and not the poor? And mm-hmm. um, hopefully, Bitcoiners now will be able to start doing that moving forwards. Um, but we're still early, and uh, we'll get there. <laughs> Mate, that's awesome! Wow, you got a lot of cool stuff coming on. So yeah, the, the Bitcoin cashback is definitely something really worth people looking into. So where, where should they head to to go and learn? Bitcoiner.com. Um, we'll there's a should be able to direct yourself off there to the, the cashback section. You can learn all about the cashback side. We also have the auto buy on there as well, so you can have a, a check out for that for the auto buy, which is the DCA. Um, and on Twitter, obviously, um, as you know, we're all as a team quite vocal on Twitter uh, and quite active. So always feel free to come and ask questions. Generally, under the, the brand name of the Coin Corner, Coin Corner Danny, Coin Corner Zach, Coin Corner, Zach, Coin Corner Molly is another one that's always on there, never off there. Um, <laughs> And the rest of the team as well. Coming from a Dave, well, Dave the accountant. He's he's his Twitter feed. He's purely renders, so he loves doing like three D renders of things. He so wants to be people. Yeah, yeah. people is. Uh... Yeah, you think he's like an accountant? Yeah, you think he's gonna be doing like number related things? And stuff, but he never tweets that. He only tweets renders. Um, so he's the angle. Uh, but yeah, if anyone's got questions, anyone needs any information not even about coin corner just bitcoin in general mm-hmm. always happy to, to help try and answer questions and um can you accept uh 
people opening accounts from all over Europe or global, or are you just UK? We what, are what, forty-five um... countries, so it's UK, Europe, most of Europe. Um, there's a couple that we've had to pull out from due to regulations. Um, Canada, Australia, South Africa, um, Brazil, mm-hmm. a couple of places like that. Um, but yeah, 45 countries globally. Again, on the websites, you can see your countries uh, accepted. And currencies that people can um, deposit at the exchange? We're only GBP and Euro at the minute. So obviously, if you're coming from somewhere that doesn't deal with them, there's a, a currency conversion on the way in, uh, unfortunately. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, guys, final question. If you had one orange pill left to give to someone, who would you oh, give it to yeah. and why? I'm going to need And Zach, Zach's just volunteering. That reminds me of, a, I'll just tell you a quick funny story. Um, I told Danny the other days, since being in this, in this industry, I've now become terrible at small talk. So I'm just there <laughs> trying to orange pill everyone. I can't talk about the weather or what you're doing at the weekend. I'm just straight into the financial system and how it needs to change and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I call them non-versations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They are just the worst. Yeah, I, I think we are all terrible at uh, small talk, aren't we? Charlie's mm-hmm. going to be good yeah. at that. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. You oh. put him on the spot here. He doesn't. I, I'll jump on, Danny. Yeah, I, you do. I'll think. I think I, I think I remember last time uh, you asked me, so I think I said Bill Gates uh, was, was my one. And I think that's a controversial one because I know a lot of people, uh, especially in our industry, dislike it. Um, but I think I would probably, obviously I, I've now already had one, so I've given to Bill Gates. I'm going to give my other one, I think now, to um, Mark Carney. <laughs> purely, <laughs> purely because we're just reading this book now. And reading the book, he is a Bitcoiner. He just doesn't know it yet is, is the best way to put it. Everyone is. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah. I have no, no idea. You still still haven't given me enough time. <laughs> I knew this question was coming as well. Um, oh. I, I've got another one. Another no, I'd just, just love to, just for the fun of it. Peter Schiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to turn him in, he is a Bitcoiner. That's who Max Kaiser that, chose as well. Was it? Go, I'll choose oh, this a weird one that no one will get. Um, Howard Quayle, who was the chief minister of the Isle of Man, um, to get some Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Um, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. That's there what we were go. talking about early. Earlier. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we need to Why see that. The next election's coming up, isn't it? In yeah, yeah. August. Yeah, yeah, this we'll year. We'll have to yeah. do an orange pillow whoever becomes the new chief minister. Mm-hmm. You go for it, Dan. Our challenge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lads. Well, it's been great to hang out with you. And, uh, you know, congratulations on the, uh, what, what did you call it? The Hoffline. Is that right? Hoffline, yeah. The Hoffline. This terrible name. <laughs> it's the working name for a while. I, and then when, when, you, when I saw that, I was thinking, is there like, well, what is this? Is this like a case for a node with David Hasselhoff on or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes people think. Yeah. We we couldn't we honestly we couldn't come up. We're not going to pretend, pretend it was an amazing name. We just literally offline and hot, and we put them together mm. and create offline, and that was the working title from day one. We like, all hated it. Yeah. One, we all hated it, but we couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. if you all hated it, you've got to stick with it. That's, yeah, yeah. 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 So so best of luck with that. Keep us up to date with your tweets, Dan. Really looking forward to. Uh, you know, seeing what comes of this is, uh, you know, it's so exciting to be part of this space. And um, yeah, thanks for everything you're doing.
Thank you as well. Cool. Thank you for Cheers for having us on. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Keep doing the, uh, the podcast and keep doing what you're doing as well. It's, uh, it's good to see more of this. Cheers, mate. Take care, lads. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and thank you Danny and Zach for coming on the show, giving up the time to talk about your project. Ah, bullish, anybody? I mean, the old Bitcoin adage goes that uh, we get down to work, put our heads down and build in the bear markets and the, the Bitcoin winters. Well, these guys have just blown that out of the water with this latest project. They're building all the time, not only their own business, improving their exchange, improving their service to their customers, trying to look for better ways to store and uh, keep the Bitcoin safe, laying on different services, adding more value. There's more news to come from Coin Corner, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. And make sure you keep an eye out for more news on the, you know, this little gizmo they're working on, which seems very, very cool. But Bitcoin is a building. You can't stop it. It's just incredible to see these kind of projects coming out and people putting their minds to work and coming up with these ideas that is just going to push everything forward for the network and everybody that is a part of it. So thank you guys. Big, big pat on the back. You should be proud of what you're doing and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Don't forget to shout out, uh, check out the show sponsors, please. It's coinfloor.co.uk, swanbitcoin.com relay.ch all forward slash bitten and please guys take control we just spoke to guys from an exchange they're saying take control of your keys put it on a hardware wallet shift crypto.ch forward slash bitten for the bitbox o2 bitcoin only edition catch you on the next show